All right, WMT Podcast back. Took a week off. Uh, went to New Orleans for my, for my brother's birthday. Spent three or four days out there. Had a really, really good time. Um, and uh, we are now at podcast number 29. We are one away from a nice round number 30. Shane, that's crazy, man. Big 3-0, man. 3-0. Uh, want to give a shout-out to Shane here. Uh, Shane got himself a legit ride. <laughs> got him. He got himself a 2018 motherfucking Jeep. This is a car that I can't afford. Went in there. Yeah. <laughs> went in there and said, "I'll take it." Yeah. Here's my life. <laughs> <laughs> you have my life and a shitload of my money for the next six it's a, years. It's a huge responsibility. <laughs> uh, but anyway, my my guest today is Rob Brown. But before we get in there, I want to I want to talk a little bit to Shane. I want to tell Shane a story he hasn't heard yet because it just happened last night, and it also just kind of ties into how fucking crazy. Just our country is right now. Um, as, as many of you know, I, I represent a band. I manage a band. And they were doing a photo shoot the other night. Last night, actually, uh, in downtown Pensacola. Took some photos upstairs at Vinyl. Spent two or three hours there. They have a beautiful room up there to do it. And anyway, uh, I stayed with them for two or three hours. Went, we aren't going to go over that, right? We're going to be okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay, just making sure all that's safeguarded. Okay. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so anyway, they stay upstairs at Vinyl for three hours. I have to go to a meeting for another event that they're doing. And I get out of the meeting, go over and see my brother for a few minutes, watch a basketball game, and I get out of the meeting. And uh, Jess, the violin player for the band, gives me a call, and I can tell something isn't right immediately. She's like, Jared, you aren't going to believe what's going on. And I was like, whoa, first of all, is everyone okay? Like, I could totally tell something wasn't right. She's like, yeah. Yeah, everyone's okay. And I said, okay, pr- proceed with your story. And apparently they were shooting downtown in between these two buildings, and there was a truck parked there. And about 10 minutes into their shoot, all of a sudden a guy comes out behind one of the buildings and puts a gun to Dustin Patera's face. What? The photographer's face. Puts a gun to him and says, you don't need to be here. Whatever. Immediately... Their response is, whoa, put the gun down, dude. No one here is armed. We aren't trying to, we're, we're a band taking photos, whatever. Wouldn't put the gun down. Like, you don't need to be here. You need to get out of here right now. Like, trying to chase these people out with a fucking gun. Like, because some shit was going down? Like, what the who, fuck? Who, who knows? What the fuck? Who knows why? All, all I know is the band that I represent got a gun pulled on them for no reason. You know, like... Um, th- I guess there was a no trespassing sign a little further down, but in the area that they were in was was public. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if I should be talking about this right now because we- there was a police report filed and you know all that, but I don't I don't care. This is my show; I can do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, but anyway, that it just got it got me to thinking like what what where are we to a point now to where that's just a thing? Like pulling guns on people is just a common thing. I, I mean, like if I had some kids fucking around outside my house and it was like. I mean, it was 9.30 at night, but if it was like 3 in the morning and I had some kids fucking around outside of my house, I'd probably peek my head out my door and I'd say, hey, motherfuckers, I'm armed. You need to get the fuck out of here right now. But I'm not going to walk out first thing, put a gun to their fucking face and say, I, I just, I don't I don't understand the culture now. Well, I don't know. I mean, is that like, the culture? Or, I mean, that sounds more like, like some shit was going down. Like, hey, like there's some shit going on in here. Y'all don't need to fucking be here right now. Get the fuck out of here. Maybe. 
like maybe that was like it. Some but gang, then like when, some weird gangster shit. Wouldn't you think? What do you think? Or those was fucking like an kids? old? Or was it an old man with like a fucking shotgun? Well, like, I don't all right, you have four good-looking kids in a band and a pretty good-looking photographer and his assistant. Like these aren't. What do you think these scared kids going to do after you pull a gun on them? Well, yeah, they're probably going to go to the police right away. So that's what I don't understand. I don't understand where that came from. Anyway, I just thought it was a crazy story. I think it's a, a, a reflection of just how insane uh, just people are getting w- with with everything. And it, honestly, I'm I'm glad the band's all right. And I just want I want to get your take on it, man. I want to number one. That's pretty wild that that happened. No, it's crazy. Like I would I would love to. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, that just doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. But I mean, if they were on his property. They weren't though. They were. It, they, there was where the sign said "no trespassing." They didn't pass. Okay, I just don't know. But so like this knows? dude, like came out of a house, or he was just like there. yeah, was ready to fucking shoot him. But I'm saying, he just came out, to your of, face. out of the house. It was like I guess it's two warehouses. Okay, see, that sounds like some fucked up shit was going yeah. on. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that. That seems like some. I don't know. That seems R- like wrong place, wrong they, time. They wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Some shit was going on in those warehouses, and he was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. And I probably just would have gotten the fuck out of there. Well, that's exactly what they did. Uh, yeah. Would you have called the cops? Uh, I don't know. I immediately would have. I don't know. That was my suggestion immediately. I was like, "Call the cops immediately." <laughs> I just I got a gun about... pulled on you. Yeah. They, there used to be a there used to be a law five ten fifteen, to where like if you pull a gun out, it's an automatic five years. If you shoot a gun. It's 10 years or something like that. If you shoot a gun and hit someone, it's 15 years. <laughs> yeah, but now they've got that yeah. stand, stand your ground, right? Yes. But the thing is, is this wasn't on private property. Yeah. So that would have been a bad thing. Mm. True. I would have been out of a job, I too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's my, there's, my little story. Uh, there's my little story for this podcast. My guest today is Rob Brown. Uh, great storyteller. Uh, just started hosting. He he was sports talk radio host here locally for, I think eight years. Then he took a little break, did some other things. I think he was on like WAR, uh, did did a government job for a year, and all of a sudden he's back. He's back now. Um, if you're in Destin, you can listen to it on what one hundred point three. Yeah, yeah. Um, from six to nine a.m. and uh, good, a good local boy, good local radio guy. Uh, definitely a great storyteller. We got we got some good stuff out of this one. So Shane, you got anything? It's a good listen. Yeah, cool. We'll y'all, uh, y'all welcome Rob Brown. All right, WMT Podcast back at it. My guest today is Rob Hudat Brown, right? I've been called worse. <laughs> uh yeah, Rob, uh, I've been listening to Rob on and off since, really, I started listening to you with Shane here. We, uh, we oh, would work. Yeah, at Boat? Yeah, we would work uh, yeah. for Boat. <laughs> yeah. Year, years ago. Yeah. And uh, we'd, we'd put it on Sports Talk Radio, and this was right before McKinney came back from his first stint. Yeah, his, he used to say, I went to college, and yeah. I would, the best part about that story, for those of you who don't know it, I'm assuming it's a decent group, we may tell the story later, but the best part was I would go places, and they'd go, what, what college is he going? Like, they believed it, he was going to college, because he said, I'd go to college, he'd disappear for a couple of months, and then he'd be back, and then he'd be gone for three years, and what, did he really, what was he doing, master's? No, he's in jail, Yeah, he's in jail, he's in real jail. 
<laughs> like prison. You know, I'm and, and a real thing, right? <laughs> I'm a second chance guy, but the third time that I have to, I have to pick up your slack because of that. I'm, you know, I don't yeah. care anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. So we would, we we were listening, we'd listening to you, and I think Brillante was on there too at the time. This is like 2000, 2010 maybe, Shane. Yeah, about that. Long yeah. time ago, two thousand eleven. Yeah, that's, that's about when it would have been. Yeah, two thousand eleven, yeah. something like that. Uh, right when I started uh, dating my wife, and we just sit in there, and I was like, uh, like I would get into it, and all of a sudden one day I just heard this god awful voice. Sorry, come, come that, back on. This is just how I sound. <laughs> no, not you. It wasn't you anymore. <laughs> and I, I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" It's, oh man, it sounded like a like a mixture of like Gummer Pile and like I'm Sandy Sansing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> <Just> fucking. <laughs> and I was like, "We can't listen to this anymore." I was like, "Where did Rob go? Where did Rob go?" So I think you went to like, I think you went from SST to like the morning show or something for a little bit and then you were gone right well so when he was in jail the first time i was doing both shows i did the morning and the afternoon show uh-huh. so i was on from six to nine a.m so i'd get to the station at five thirty in the mother morning <laughs> and then i'd be there until 10 in the afternoon then i'd go home catch a nap work a second job whatever because radio <laughs> pays great <laughs> and then i'd go back and i'd do the afternoon show from four yeah. to seven and then you know i had a, a parade of co-hosts chad and, and mark ryan and uh, you know, all these other guys that would come in and sit with me. So I did that. And then when he came back, uh, I needed somewhere else to go because I wasn't going to work with him. Yeah. And uh, at that point we had it. So anyway, uh, Stu Houston offered me a job and I was doing my show at night from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, and I was parading around all of the Hooters in the Florida Panhandle and I was doing my shows out of, out of the back porches of Hooters, which was the greatest job I've ever had was for them to go, here's what we need. We need you to show up, talk about sports, talk about Hooters. We're gonna give we're gonna put a Hooters girl on the show with you every day and then we're gonna give you money for it. And it was kind of one of those moments that I looked around and thought, well this won't last forever because if you ask 90% of dudes to draw up the dream job, I just did it. Yeah. Drink booze. Have Hooters girls on your show, talk about football, get money, go home and sleep until noon the next day. It was yeah. paradise, Were you man. Single at the time? Yeah, I, I I was on and off. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know I really was at the at the time. I was I was dating my my previous girlfriend, and uh, it didn't work go as well as you'd like. <laughs> you know, it did. It was kind of one of those things where she's like, "What? I can't say no." You know, and and she wasn't going to say no. So it was kind of one of those like, all right, just don't talk she, about she it kind of thing. No, very much not. Okay. She very much was not. And she was she was very much not on board with the plan. Uh, and I would find out later the whole she wasn't on board with the whole relationship. But, hey, what are you going to do about it? You know, yeah. so, uh, no, it did. But, you know, I, I I it was just such a good job that it was one of those jobs that you go. Like, I, I understand. And, you know, if your girlfriend came home and was like, hey, I just took a job working down with the Chippendales models and I hang out with them and get get drunk a couple nights a week and then I come home with stacks of cash in my underwear later, you'd kind of go, damn, you know, crap. But, uh, you know, it just kind of was what it was. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a straight-laced dude. As fun as that job is, I'm such a goody-goody. I really am. Like, I, my character on the radio is like man's man, drink whiskey in the morning kind of guy. But I'm a goody-goody I'm a dude. I, I, I really don't. 
I'm not that kind of dude. So it was like, deal with it. It's a good show. I'm getting paid good money for it. I'm going to roll with it. Uh, working the morning show, like I'm back on the mornings now, significantly different approach than than working out of a Hooters until 9 o'clock at night. But at the same time, I still love it. It's still the same gig to a degree. Like we, we get up, we talk about football for three hours, and then I'm, my, my work day is over at noon. So the drinking remains the same, which is fantastic. You know, we do stupid stuff. Like and when baseball season starts, one of the things we're going to do on the show, which is a three-hour show, is we're going to watch a baseball game and we're going to do a, the 999 challenge. Nine hot dogs, nine beers, nine innings. Not, that's my job. I get paid to do stupid <laughs> crap like that. How bad could life be? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so you're definitely still into into your job. Then, oh, I love sure. I love sports radio. You know, it's 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 not this is what I tell people all the time. If you want to drive a powerboat, it's really not the gig for you because there's there's two planes of existence for sports radio. Hmm. There's Jim Rome, Colin Coward, those guys that are just at the 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 top, top, top of the game. Yeah. And those are the guys who are rolling in stacks of money, but they're syndicated across 250, 300, 400 stations nationwide. And that has an impact on the second tier of sports radio hosts, which is me, which is you can go in and you might be a fantastic sports radio host. I'm, I'm egomaniacal. I'm pretty damn good at it. I wouldn't be doing it for 10 years if I didn't have some level of, of talent and capability. But I can't just call other stations and go, hey, I want to come do a, a show for you. Hey, New Orleans, I'd love to come do a Saints show in New Orleans. But the reality is they got Jim Rome and they got, you know, Golick and Wingo and they've got uh, uh, Colin Pharrell Coward. on the bench. Pharrell on the bench.com. It's Pharrell on the bench.com. <laughs> they've got these guys that are syndicated across 350 stations and they're not going to drop a proven commodity like Pharrell on the bench or Jim Rome for a dude that might or might not captivate the audience that they're trying to grab. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, and this is why I get, I get, I recognize why a syndicated radio show is a good deal for a large station. Everybody knows Rome works. Everybody knows Coward works, whether you like him or not. Mm -hmm. The problem is that there's a lot of very, very talented local sports hosts who can't get a gig, who can't get time. Or if they get time, it's at midnight to four in the morning and they're getting paid pennies for it. Because if you're a radio station owner and we're talking just bottom dollar, bottom line, what makes more sense? Jim Rome, that I don't have to pay anything for. Mm -hmm. You don't pay for the syndication. They get their money back by running these national advertisers on your station during their show. Or pay Rob Brown. And even if I only pay him $30,000 a year. $25,000 a year. Hell, let's get a kid right out of college and pay him $21,000 a year to do a three-hour show and then work in production for five hours. What's more feasible? Why am I going to give a kid $31,000 a year to do what I can line up, go look and wingo in the morning and then roam in the afternoon and then Howard, Coward in the late afternoon and then Pharrell on the bench at night and then any of these thousands of, of syndicated networks over the nighttime, why would, I, why would I do that when I can just do that for free? And so it's it's really taken away opportunity from a lot of very talented local hosts. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm one of, one of the ones that's dumb enough to work for Peanuts because I love what I do and I believe that long run, there is that future for me. Now, my goal ultimately is call play-by-play. -play. I want to do a, a Joe Buck deal where I call NFL during the season and then college football and then baseball and then I switch over and do hockey and do soccer. I sit at home and practice play-by-play -play on YouTube clips because that's what I want to ultimately do long-term. And this is just the way to keep me in there. But I love doing sports talk radio, which is why I'm willing to work for a pittance 
to, mm-hmm. to be able to do it until I can, you know, I'm that idiot hippie that's like, live your dream, bro. I believe, <laughs> man. And I do, which is dumb, but I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what we, I mean, welcome to the Wimty podcast. That's, the, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that's, that's what we do, man. Uh, we, we bring in, as you can tell from, from our past guests here. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of people on here who are doing their own shit, um, doing things the way they want to be doing it, you know, kind of, kind of on their own terms. Um, so, so yeah, you f- fall right in, man. Yeah. It's, you know, and again, it's, it's one of those things that I, I, and I hate saying this because I, as soon as I say it, and especially when I, li- I'll listen back to this later and I'll be like, God, I'm a tool. What is wrong with me? <laughs> but I, but I, I'm good at what I do. Right. It, it's why I can convince the guys at the ticket. Hey, I'm don't get a syndicated morning show. Let me do it. Let me be the morning guy. Yeah. You know, I don't get paid a ton of money to do it. But I know that the possibility is there down the road. But in the meantime, people around here want to talk to somebody that's from around here, right? They want to talk to Choctaw High School just made a run to the state finals yep. of the high school playoffs. Yeah, I saw that. Who better to talk to about that than the guy who used to play at Choctaw High School? Who better to do that than the guy that called their games on play-by-play for their Facebook Live for free because I just love the school and, and love the mm-hmm. basketball program? Who better to talk to about the Saints than the guy that you can actually call in and get in on the show? Who better to talk to about FSU than the guy that went there? Who better to talk to about Florida than the guy who's from here and grew up with Florida family? Yeah, Who's better than that? You know, you can call Rome right now and ask him, hey, what do you think about the Gators spring practice so far? You're not even going to touch the air. But with me, you call, I promise you you're going to get on the air. Mm. And even if you act like an idiot, okay. You're, now you're just a character. We'll Dolph, roll with it. Dolph, Dolphin Gary. Oh, and you know what I haven't Michigan. heard? I don't remember. Isn't there Michigan Dolphin. Eddie? Michigan Eddie, Dolphin Gary. We had California Don. You remember California Don? California Don used to call in ripped at 6 in the morning. First We, we would show up to the studio at 5.58 and the, the damn phone's already ringing because Don's sauced from the night before and still wanting to talk about, you know, did you see the UCLA women's swimming team last night? No, Don. Nobody saw that at all. But you know, we we and that's one of the great things about local radio is is you listen to national guys and yeah, like Rome's got his seven or eight clones. Welcome to the show. It's the Rome show, clones. And he's got the seven or eight guys that that he lets on all the time. We have those guys here too. But they're people that live here and they're people that people know and mm-hmm. and you know, you got Heath up in Crestview who goes by the goat and and that guy's a riot. You know, he's the guy's a part-time professional wrestler. But he also works in an office doing a real job during the day, and we've got, you know, we've got, still got the California Dons of the world, and and uh, we got it. We I got a call today from a guy. We we're talking about doing that nine 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 challenge, nine nine dogs, nine beers, nine innings, right? I got done with that, and I was like, you know, the only problem with that is I don't want to eat nine microwaved hot dogs. The guy calls today, name's Holbrook, I think. He calls today, and he says, "Hey, I'm a hot dog guy. I'll bring my cart up there and cook hot dogs during the show." So that's the kind of guy we got. We got a hot dog vendor who's like, I will roll my hot dog stand into the studio and I will sit there and make you fresh dogs during a game. What the hell kind of life am I living? And why wouldn't everybody else want to live it too? You know, as long as you're willing to live in a 600 square foot house, that's barely big enough for you and your dog. Then sports talk radio is great. You got a hot dog guy. No one's got hot dog. No guys. one had, but that's the thing, and that's what I tell people all the time. I'm I'm willing to to you know the, I I'm dating a a young girl now, and and we're kind of in a spot where you know we don't have a ton of money, but I'll be damned if we don't get to do some cool ridiculous stuff as perks of the job. 
I got a hot dog guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> a guy who's willing to bring his hot dog stuff to my studio just to stand there and hang out. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years back, I, I was uh, the there was a groundskeeper for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, Willie, groundskeeper Willie, which is great, and he would call the show. And I said on the air one day, I said, you know, one of my one of my dreams is to throw out an honorary first pitch. It was when Fifty Samer Fifty Cent did his first pitch for the Mets, and he missed by all <laughs> of the feet, just like he was miles away from the dish, right? And I said, uh, you know, I want to do a first pitch for two reasons: one, how freaking cool is that? And two, because I I think I still got a strike left in me. I haven't pitched since high school, but I, I could. So the groundskeeper from the Blue Wahoos calls me, and he says, two weeks. We got a home game. You're throwing out the first pitch. Damn, man. That's awesome. So they, I went over there. They gave me a jersey. I bought a hat. They put me out on the hill before the game. I got to throw a pitch to the starting catcher of the Blue Wahoos. They signed the ball for me. I still got it hanging up in the office. Did you get to keep the jersey? Uh, yeah. I, I, well, I, I, they let me. They gave it to me. And while I was, because I got there like an hour before the game, I wanted to, I honestly showed up to ask him if I could take a warm up pitches because I was super nervous. I'd been, I threw balls in my backyard for like two weeks every day, like a hundred balls, threw my arm off trying to get, like, I, if you're going to do it, do it. Like you wanted to go there and throw 77 on him. Oh, I wanted to, I I wanted, I wanted it gunned. Yeah. I wanted to rip it. And that was my thing. I was going from the stretch, full motion. I want, like, I'm going to rip it and it's going to be a damn strike or I'm going to leave and never touch a baseball again. So I'm in my backyard. I've been at the time I was living in Shalimar, and I went in the backyard and I measured my, you know, my six six feet, and I I put a hill of dirt and tamped it down. I, I mean, I built a pitcher's mound in my backyard just to be ready for this. So I get to the game and they're like, "All right, here's a here's a jersey for you to wear on the on the hill. It's gonna be about thirty minutes. You know, hang out, have a hot dog, whatever." So while I was waiting, I went to the stadium gift shop. And I had them, I paid for the customization, so I had them put my name and number on the back of it. I was like, well, it's mine now. So I say, yeah, I still got the jersey, and it's got my name and number on the back of it. Uh, so anyway, went out through the pitch, and I, I, there were about three family members there. My mom was there, my brother was there, and, and my, at the time, girlfriend was there. And I threw the pitch, and it hit the dirt behind home plate. It's like seven inches behind home plate. And to this day, I swear to God, it was a strike. And my brother's like, you dirted it, dude. You dirted it. And it is, we we have full-out fights because there's no video of it. There's pictures. There's no video of it. How, how hard did you throw? Uh, it. I mean, I, I didn't touch 80 like I did in yeah. high school. I mean, I, I it was in there. It was a straight line. There was yeah. no art to it. I mean, yeah. it was a baseball pitch. The catcher came out and was like, dude, that's not bad. You know, it wasn't, again. It's like, this is triple A, bro. Come on. Right. I wouldn't have. Uh, or double A. Double none a, of the guys yeah. on the roster were going to miss it. Like, I wasn't blowing yeah. anybody away. But as far as first pitches go, I'll just say that, uh, I made 50 Cent look like a clown, and you can tell him I said it. <laughs> so, were they, so I want to ask you some more about that, because I've had some dealings with the Blue Wahoos organization. Sure. And uh, a couple different times. Um, but they, uh, first of all, how pissed were they that you customized that jersey? Because they were probably going to ask for that. To bet. be honest, they were pretty cool with it. And and okay. I because I told them, I was like, I'll buy it. You know, like, yeah. and I, I mean, I paid for the customization, and... Uh, I think I, 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 t- I actually ended up buying it. So mm-hmm. I think it was more one of those things that, you know, in all honesty, I kind of thought they were giving it to me. And yeah. I think I think it was only because Willie, the groundskeeper, was because I showed up in like a T-shirt. You know, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to roll up there in a T-shirt. And I was like, dude, you, you got like you got something for me. Right. And he kind of just got. So I think he, I, I, I honestly did. I never actually asked him if it was just a loan <clears> or a <throat> gift. 
But I went and got it customized. I ended up buying it. I'm not a jerk. I dumped yeah. the you know seventy bucks or whatever. Well, what I'm it was saying is, it. I feel like if you're throwing a first pitch out, a jersey isn't that much of a of a cost. No, I, you know, they, I, don't, like, I don't know what the jersey costs at that point. I yeah. was, you know, I was eight or nine hand you know beers in and. And I, I won't lie, I knocked back a little bit of bourbon before that. I was nervous, man, to be honest. I was seriously, I was nervous. Had some I was, wobbly pops. This is dumb. I was nervous knowing, because here's the thing. I talked it up on the radio for two weeks. Yeah. And that was a mistake. I should have just been like, I'm throwing out the first pitch. It's going to be super duper, you guys. But instead it was, I'm throwing out the first pitch and that bitch is getting laced. You know what I mean? Like it was, I was going for up. it. I was going for it. And so by the time that I got to the game, I was like, oh man, I should have just... I should have acted not confident. Well, I'm going to try my hardest, and you know, I'm. I know I can. I know I can at least get it there. And I, oh no, the whole week I was like, it's a strike, it's a strike. You guys, where do you want me to place it? Low and away, up and in. I don't care. You tell me where I will. I'm gonna, you know, no problem. So by the time the game rolled around, I'm in the parking lot with my brother and a flask of bourbon. Like, dude, give me another one. I, you know, I'm I'm nervous at this point because the thing is, I knew there was at least. A couple dozen people there. It was a Saturday game. Yeah, there was a couple of dozen people there that I know were just coming to hang out because I made a big deal of that it. Listen to your show. Yeah, they were there to see. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to the show and and you know wanted to hang out with me, play baseball, and 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 also watch me throw out the pitch. And I knew. And it's not so much that I can or can't do it. So much as I knew what the phone calls were going to sound like for the next two weeks <laughs> if I didn't lace this thing. So I was sitting there listening and going, if I if if I dirt this or it's way outside or if the catcher's got to jump to catch it, I am never gonna hear the end of it. It's just never gonna go away. So at that point, I was like a handful of, of adult soda pops deep, and uh, I just told him, "Look, I'll just buy the jersey." But I I mean, I didn't want to roll out there in a t-shirt. What kind of bum rolls out yeah. in a t-shirt? Yeah. Well, the, what I was what I was gonna get at, man, that they had. They contacted me. Their PR department contacted me and one of my wanted one of my bands to play outside of their right. Place. So I was like, "Yeah, sure, we'll come out there and play." Um, you know, what's your budget? And they're like, "No, no, oh yeah, 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 zero. Our budget yeah. is zero. And I was like, "Okay, well, let me talk to the band. Whatever, we'll still do it." So the band comes out there, <clears throat> uh, and we start to play. And I'm like, "Where the hell is like our point of contact here? Like, is there not some sort of..." Blue Wahoo's employee that's supposed to tell us where to go, all that kind of stuff. No, there wasn't. So uh, it's in the middle of summer. Like, I got to get my guys some water somehow. So, like, I end up just walking into this hallway, like, ask for some waters. And they're like, are we allowed to get the band guys waters? <laughs> and I was just like, I almost walked out there. was like, pack up your shit. Right. We got to go. We're getting the fuck out of here. I, I will say this. So, I've, I've, done, I've done work with Wahoo's uh, a number of times, and, and I'm actually moving to Pensacola in a couple of months, mm-hmm. and one of the big reasons is because they have sports there. You yeah. know, we got the Ice Flyers, who are a, a fun organization. you got the Wahoo's. UWS football team kicked ass last year, which yeah, is right. – I went to Florida State, but my, my degree, I finished at UWF, so I'm an Argo alum. It was cool to see them go. Mm-hmm. Um, over the past five, six years – the Wahoos have really, I, I think, and I don't know how long ago this this experience you had was, but over the past six years, having worked with them and, and been around, they have done such a good job at turning yeah. that thing into a professional ball club. I mean, yeah. really, it is, it is, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to kiss ass. I have no reason. They, I don't work for them. You know, they, now they, they do air their games on our Pensacola station that I broadcast on, but I, you know, I don't work for them. I don't get money. I don't get sponsorship from them. 
they have done a phenomenal job, in my experience, turning that ball club into something that Pensacola can be damn proud of. Well, and that park is amazing. That park is one of the best in the country. Yeah. Uh, they they have retooled their staff. Their PR girl now is a girl by the name of Ricky Van, who mm. I used to work with at when I was a TV reporter at WAR, which I did for two years. I did news reporting. If you ever get the I chance remember to do that, on that, I was like, why is he doing that now? If but you get like, a chance to do that, go ahead and hard pass. It's just, <laughs> and and I'll 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 tell you now, it was it was it. For six months, it was the coolest job I ever had. For a year and a half, it was the most miserable job I've ever had. And I'll, I'll tell you about that. But uh, anyway, the the Ricky Van, who was a reporter there, went on to do PR at the Floribama Lounge for a while, and now she's with the Wahoos, and she is incredible at that job. Yeah, everything I've since I've started back at the show, everything I've needed from them, she's like, "Give me ten minutes, I got it Great. for you." That's so they, they, that Pensacola can be damn proud of the Wahoos at this mm-hmm. point, I think. Uh, same with the Ice Flyers, they've they've gone out of their way to make that a fan. And they're winning experience. champion. They're winning champion. Yeah, and ha- hoisting trophies doesn't hurt any. Yeah, we we have Northwest Florida playing. Yeah, in Northwest the Florida State's right basketball now. tournament. Yeah, I uh, watched the game last night. Man. Yeah, the, the the you know Northwest Florida State, and and then if you really put it in the context of the Florida Panhandle, because Chipola College over towards yep. Panama City has got a good squad. I mean, they're they're sending guys every year to D one schools. FSU just had mm-hmm. a kid. I think Auburn brought a kid out of there. Uh, you got Northwest Florida State over in Pensacola. You've got Pensacola State College and and UW US basketball team is pretty damn good they too. Had a good season this I year. Mean, I mean, yep. I'll I'll say this, and, and I tell people this a lot. This area is a sports hotbed, even if there's not really that deep connection to any major D one or 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 uh, or professional teams. Yeah, the college teams we do have have done such a damn good job lately of putting programs together that, I mean, 10 years ago, going up to Niceville to watch a Northwest Florida State College game was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, we're going to go watch them get blown out. But now it's like, do you want to go watch future D1 stars play? Yeah, absolutely. You know, do you want to go, do you want to go watch them play Chipola and watch two Auburn guys and two FSU commits play up with each other? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, we and, go to almost all the games. You so, have to. Yeah. I mean, they're great. Ramsey Ross and the guys up at Northwest Florida <clears> State <throat> have have, I mean, done an amazing job. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you're in the area, and I mean from <clears throat> Panama City to Pensacola, anywhere in the Panhandle, you are within a half hour of of good sports, no matter. Well, where yeah, you even are. in Panama City, you have the Gulf Coast women who are yep, I think number one, I think number one in the nation. Yep. I think you got Gulf Coast, you've got uh, Chipola over in Pensacola, <clears> like <throat> I said, Pensacola State and UWF yeah. and and Northwest Florida State College and and. All these schools, uh, you know, I I heard somebody call them like they were they're D one feeder schools at this point. Yeah, but also they're pretty good teams. I mean, it's as far as sports go, you know, I'm moving to Pensacola in a couple of months in in like April or May, I think, because I I want to get more ingrained with the Flyers and the Wahoos and and start working my way up through that rank. But you know, even if you don't, right here in Fort Walton, what's a what's a what's a forty five minute drive to Pensacola to go watch the Flyers play? You know, if you haven't done that on a Saturday night, you're missing out, man, because it's fun. Yep, agreed for sure. And and I mean, even the like I said, the Wahoos games are are great too. They're phenomenal, sure. and the food's good in the state. Yeah, oh yeah, they go out of the way. You know, ever since uh, ever since Bubba Watson specifically got involved, you know, Bubba's a hey, and there's another sport we didn't talk about. We got a, a handful of, of PGA guys. WWE guys, hell, half the wrestle, half the WrestleMania card is Pensacola guys. No you way. Know? Roman Reigns is in the main event. Pensacola guy. The two Uso brothers are going to be fighting for tag team championship, both from Pensacola. There's one. Who is it? There's, How does that happen? How is Pensacola? Well, Pensacola is a wrestling hotbed, man. Seriously, that's, that's that not a joke. How Clarice was into it. No, dude, that's a thing. We had a, when I was a bartender at Funky Blue Shack. We had right. a door guy. His name was Charlie, but we called him Clarice because he was a wrestler. 
His name is Clarice the Abomination. Dude, I don't know if you're familiar. Wrestling hot that I don't, I don't, I can't say I know him. But so here, I'll, you, here, I'll give you, and this is a complete segue from where we were, but it's worth it. I have two favorite memories from my time as a sports broadcaster. I've got a bunch of great ones, right? I've been to Army Navy games. I met President Obama one time. Like, I've got great stories, but I've got two favorite stories. One is I caught a pass from Drew Brees at the Saints training camp the year they won the Super Bowl. The second greatest memory, or excuse me, the first greatest memory, and this is the one that, that it's so good at be, as a diehard Saints fan, it beats catching a pass from Drew Brees. I one time was a tag team professional wrestler, and I tag teamed with the New Age Outlaws. Badass Billy Gunn, Road Dog Jesse James, okay, who were yeah. part of Degeneration X back when, when wrestling was super cool, you know? So I got to tag team with DX, with the Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws, and I got to uh, pin another guy and have those two count my three falls. So I am a perfect 1-0 in professional wrestling <laughs> as a member of the New Age Outlaws. However, I'm retired. I'm out of the game. I'm too old for that crap now. But that was, without question, one of the coolest things that's ever happened. And it happened because of the job doing sports radio, which was awesome. Yeah. It was great. And so I had been out of wrestling for... I, I was a huge fan growing up, right? My dad got me into it. My dad used to watch Ric Flair wrestle back in the Tennessee mm -hmm. Valley days, the, the, the region days, back when wrestling shows were one spot, one show, one night. You know, the whole, the whole show was just what you could fit into three hours. My dad used to watch Ric Flair, and then there was the WCW, WWF days. And, and Ric Flair was the first major wrestling star. Uh, right, he was like, one of them. I mean, you know, there there were there were like guys before star. him. He, I would argue that he was probably the one that was the most generationally important. Mm -hmm. uh, there were there were guys that came before him that like there would have been like Andre the Giant. Oh, that's right. after they Andre the Giants after Ric Flair. Uh, no, no, no. Right? no, not really. No, Andre, Andre and Hogan like the were first, like, super so. So the reason that everybody knows Ric Flair is he was around at the same time. It's just that Flair, when 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 they started broadcasting regional shows on television, Flair was so gaudy and over the freaking yeah. top. Yeah. At a time, especially in the Deep South, where you know it's it's an ultra conservative area, which is be humble and and don't go overboard and and you know always maintain a. And here's Ric Flair being the the jet flying, uh, you know, wheeling dealing son of a bitch, and, and and he was so over the top that everybody who kind of wanted to live like him, everybody, you know, the the, the guys who, yeah, we gotta you gotta maintain an image and all that, but let's be real, who didn't want to have fifteen thousand dollars suits and my shoes make my shoes cost more than you make in a year and mm -hmm. and and I fly private jets to my show who didn't want to be that guy there was a documentary on him ESPN did a 30 for 30 on him and Snoop Dogg Snoop freaking dog is like I wouldn't be Snoop Dogg without Ric Flair because Ric Flair <laughs> it was awesome so the reason Ric Flair is important is he brought everybody together not not just gener generationally right like my dad watched Ric Flair and I got into wrestling because my dad watched Ric Flair now my, the difference was my dad hated Ric Flair and I thought Ric Flair was the coolest SOB in the world, right? And so, and Snoop Dogg, like me, you sit me and Snoop Dogg in a room together and go figure out what you have in common. It's not very much. We both like '90s rap, and that's probably the end. We have different life experiences, unless one of us brings up Ric Flair, and then we got stories for days, right? I remember this and that. So anyway, watch growing up with Ric Flair, and then it just kind of expanded. And then there was the 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 Attitude Era, which was. 
Rock in, in Austin, and mm-hmm. uh, Ric Flair was still around, and Triple H and DX, Degeneration X, and the NWO and the Wolfpack, and there was all this stuff. That was when wrestling went past wrestling and became a, a, a cultural thing that pervaded the United States. I remember friends getting suspended from middle school for, for telling teachers to suck it, <laughs> like DX did. Seriously, uh, you know, I remember kids getting suspended for 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 flipping the double bird, like Stone Cold Steve Austin used to do to Vince McMahon. They do it to history teachers. Where's your homework? There's your homework right here. Get to the principal, right? So it was transitional. And Have then you seen I, Stone Cold ET. Haven't seen what? Have you seen Stone Cold ET? No. What am I missing <laughs> what does that here? Mean? <laughs> Look up Stone Cold. Go ahead, keep going. Oh God! Go. I'll show you what Stone Cold. Now I got a now I got a thing to go find. So, uh, so anyway, but so when when the Attitude Era stopped and they kind of went back PG, I walked away. And then uh, anyway, I was doing the show, and I and I named him early in the podcast. I, I made friends with with Heath from Crestview, right? Mm-hmm. And Heath is a professional wrestler. He went by the name of Mister Fantasy. I'm breaking kayfabe right now. Don't beat me up, Heath. So Heath went by the name Mister Fantasy, and he called me out of the blue in God, I don't even know 2000. 10, 11, 9. And he said, Hey, I'm doing a professional wrestling event. It's in the armory in Crestview, the National Guard Armory in Crestview. That's right. That's right. And I need you to come up there and be my ring announcer. And he was fighting that year. He was supposed to, oh, he was supposed to be fighting Buff Bagwell. But Buff Bagwell dropped out last minute and he got Marty Janetti, who was Shawn yeah. Michaels' tag yeah. team partner from the Rockers. The Rockers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he brings in Marty Janetti. And he's like, I want you to be the ring announcer. I'll let you take pictures and hang out with Marty. And, you know, you you get to announce him to the ring and everything. And I'm like, dude, this is Marty Gennetti. Yeah, I'm doing that, you know. So I get up there and he goes, all right, here's the deal. Here's here's what's going to happen. Uh, his name's Mr. Fantasy. He's got a, a, a manager whose name's Brian. He's a dear friend of mine. Lives over in Alabama. We talk all the time. Ryan is good dude. So he goes, They're, we're going to come out as you're just about to announce me. And he drives his, I think it was a, a it was either Camaro or a Charger, into the just drives into the army. I mean, he Ric flares it, you know, like revs yeah. the engine. It's so loud and climbs in the ring. And I got my own announcer and Rob Brown. You're worthless. Get out of my ring. He goes, I'm gonna pick on you a little bit just to get some heat. And I thought, all right, that's cool. That's fun. You know, whatever. N- no contact or anything. We're just gonna have some fun. I said, all right. So they asked me to do it again the next year. Uh, and I thought, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do it the next year. Well, the next year, uh, he brought in. Matt Hardy, who's now back with the WWE doing his crazy-ass stuff. But he brought in uh, Matt Hardy to wrestle. He's like, we're going to have you go in there and announce Matt Hardy. And, you know, I'm going to pick on you again. And this time I'm going to push you into the ropes a little bit and have a little fun. All right, it's cool. So then he asked me to do it the third time. And this time he brings in the New Age Outlaws, Road Dogg. And, and by the way, Road Dogg from Pensacola. Just so, you know, hop in. So he goes, uh, he goes... I'm going to bring you in before the show starts and you're going to be welcoming the crowd and everything. And then me and my guys, and he had two other guys with him because it was going to be a, a three on three match. I got two other guys or three other guys. It was going to be four on four. He goes, I'm going to bring in my other guys and we're, we're going to beat you up in the middle of the ring. We're just going to beat the tar out of you. And then we're going to have the new age outlaws come out and save you. And it's going to be like, oh, it's four on three. It's a handicap match because it was the New Age Outlaws. And then their dad, Bullet Bob Armstrong, who is a territory guy who's a Hall of Famer now. They go, it's going to be four on three, Bullet Bob and the New Age Outlaws versus uh, these four guys. And then what I want you to do is I want you to get up and go, no, I'm the fourth guy. And like, I'm in. <laughs> like, yeah. So we go out in the ring and they hand me a microphone, my announcing. And they got a dude 
and and he's gonna be kill, he's gonna kill me, but I forgot the guy's name. But this dude was six foot seven. He had to roll three hundred eighty pounds. I mean, this guy was enormous. And this dude picks me up like a child, and just drops me to the mat. Right? And I, t- I know I'm gonna take a bump. I know I'm gonna get dropped on the mat. But I didn't know it was gonna be like a full out four feet flat <laughs> drop. And then he just falls on me. Right? Bang! Just lays on top of me. These guys are kicking me, and it's you know it's wrestling kicking me but i mean they still got to make contact to make it look good kicking me hitting me and he's like oh you know you've been you've been saying my name for three years get my name out your mouth that kind of stuff out come the outlaws they they rescue me from this enormous dude and and i go that's it i'm done and i shove him into the ropes and i join the tag team so i announce the rest of the show like normal main event comes out i come out and i've got a tuxedo on because screw it you know if i'm gonna do this i'm going to announce yeah so I come out, lose a tuxedo T-shirt. I'm in tuxedo pants and an undershirt and like some black Nikes that I just found because I forgot to. I was wearing dress shoes. And I'm like, I so I just like went to, I don't know, Walmart or something. Just got these black sneakers to wear. Jumped in the ring, hung out on the side, got punched in the face a time or two. Got to go in. My finisher was the Hogan leg drop. Got the pin. Walked away 1-0 and I'm done with professional wrestling. It was the damnedest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's just one of those things that, like, you know, it never would have happened if I wasn't doing radio. Yeah, are you on any kind of, like, database? Like, like some sort of wrestling database? I don't database know, but I, I, I feel like I might go create myself a Wikipedia page yeah. just for that. Well, so I, I went by my regular, I went by the regular name because I had the radio. And the reason I was there was for the radio. And it's kind of one of those things where, if, if just like with, with podcasting or anything else. It's everything you do is self-promotion, right? If you're on Twitter, it's only, yeah, you're throwing out opinions and all that, but it's just to get people to see your opinion and, and self-promote yourself. So I went by Rob Brown and I tried to get them to call me ravishing Rob Brown, you know, ravishing Rick Rude back yeah. in the day. And they were like, dude, you're, you're not catching an adjective. You're it's day one. You know what I mean? Like you haven't earned a nickname yet. So I just went by Rob Brown. Uh, but you know, I, it was awesome. Was in the name of in the name of Ric Flair, I freaking announced myself. Well, let me scratch it. I went to announce myself, and halfway through it, uh, Road Dog, which if, again, if you go back and you watch the DX days, Road Dog used to do. Ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, children of all ages, Degeneration X proudly presents the ten-time tag team champions of the world. He did that, and then he put my name into it with DX, and I was like, "Well, I can retire, Life's you know, complete, man. yeah." Like what if dra- I could drama, this is such drama. If I could, wa- <laughs> if I could walk into Gulf Power and be like, "Yo, for this month's bill, Degeneration X introduced me in a wrestling match once, and they would keep the lights on," I'd retire. You know. <laughs> but that's that's my favorite story I've ever walked away with. That and getting drunk with Flava Flav are my two favorite stories I've gotten so far through radio. Let's is that, is that this is it? This, this is, is yes. Thing? This is drive through. This is Stone Cold ET ordering. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, here. Let me see how I can get my mic on this, so we can. Or can you move the snowball? Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Let's turn the, turn the volume. All right. Where's the speaker on this thing? Over here. All yeah. Right. Here, we'll turn this toward toward Rob Brown. This is Stone Cold EP, and I just want to order a couple White Castles to go. So sorry. Can you repeat that again? I said, Stone Cold E.T. would like a couple of cheeseburgers and a drink, and I'd like to get out of here as soon as possible, and that's the bottom line. Okay, do you want to pull up? I can understand anything you're saying, please. Okay, you want Stone Cold E.T. to pull up what side? Just pull up to the first window. Okay. 
So I don't know who's doing this, but this is a perfect Stone Cold. <laughs> and it's got the ET mask. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's I mean, a, that's a pretty he's good looking ET and mask. everything. Yeah, yeah, this is solid. Hello, Stone Cold ET. <laughs> Stone Cold ET. This window. This window. <laughs> 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 Look, he dropped the gimmick for a second. You know. <laughs> this window. Gave him the ET finger. <laughs> I just want to know where he got this ET mask. That thing is creepy, it's, legit. It's pretty, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good looking. Hurry up and open the window. I cannot wait. Yeah, this is really good radio. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit this part out, I'm sure. Start saying something. <laughs> This is Stone Cold E.T., and I want to order a couple cheeseburgers, and that's the bottom line. Because <laughs> you know Stone Cold E.T. like to come to White Castle, order a couple cheeseburgers to fill me up before I whoop some ass. Give me a hell yeah if you're down with Stone Cold E.T. Oh, hell yeah! Cause Stone Cold E.T. likes whooping ass. What? And Stone Cold E.T. rides a bicycle. I ride it long. I ride it hard. Just like the Texas Rattlesnake when he's done whooping Vince McMahon's ass. What? Oh, hell yeah. What'd you say, E.T.? What? What? I said I want to order two cheeseburgers, and that's the bottom line. Cause now Stone Cold love a little white castle burger with a little onion, with a little meat on it. Cause there's nothing like. There's now three people hanging out of the window trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Stone Cold like a little white castle action. Well, I'm busy fighting off aliens when I'm busy being a crap out Will Smith and in a tennis day. Oh my god, that's Stone Cold ET. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom because Stone Cold ET said so. That is great. Nothing and that's like the White Castles. Oh god, professional wrestling is just the dumbest great thing that's ever happened. All right, so uh interjection. Yes. To, okay, give me your Flavor Flav story. So, I was working for Roy Jones Jr. Oh, speaking of athletes from Pensacola, Pensacola. we didn't even talk about. Yeah. Pensacola in the house. Don't call it a comeback. So, I was working for uh, uh let's see, this would have been uh, I don't even know how long. This was 2010 that it happened, 2012. I don't even remember. It's been a lot of whiskey between then and now uh so i got a call one day at the radio station uh and it was a guy by the name of mcgee Wright who lives here in town and he goes hey this is rob brown yeah hey my name's mcgee i'm roy jones jr's manager i said oh, it's good to meet you you know what can i do for you i assumed he just wanted to see if i could get roy on the station for an interview because they had a fight coming up uh it was in pensacola against uh amir amir khan i don't remember the guy's name it didn't matter. It was a you know a jabroni, as the rock. Was yeah, my, bro- my brother will know. He's a huge. Yeah, I can't guy. remember the kid's name. Uh, anyway, he says he's got a fight coming up Pensacola, and I need a ring announcer. And I know you've done that before. So do you want to announce Roy's fight? Hell yeah! You know, 
It was a split card. It was a boxing and MMA card, and Roy was the highlight. But there were other guys. Uh, Roy Big Country Nelson, who fights for the UFC now, mm-hmm. was on that card, one of his first professional fights. So uh, they said, can you do MMA and boxing? We're now. So, yeah. So I went down to the fight, and everything was cool, and, and they liked me. So then a couple, a couple, well, I guess about a year later, they said Roy's going to fight uh, Jeff Lacey over in, uh, what's the casino town in Mississippi? Uh, Biloxi. Biloxi at the Beau Rivage. And we need a ring announcer. Do you want to do it? Yeah, I'll go. I said, cool, we'll put you up in a suite and, and we'll take care of you. And so I went over there and, and that was that's actually how I got to go to the Saints training camp. I went with Roy Jr. and, uh, you know, got to meet Drew Brees and, and catch a pass from him. And it was <clears> awesome. <throat> So I did that fight, and then about a year later, they call me again, and they go, hey, we're going to Vegas. He's going to fight the final fight with Bernard Hopkins because him and Bernard had the two rivalry, the two fight rivalry back in the, uh, what, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, and, and they both beat each other one and one, so they were going to do a, a going-away rubber match. I said, yeah, that's cool, man. I'll go to Vegas. You know, I said, we don't need a ring announcer. We need a PR guy. We just need somebody there because Roy's got a stable of fighters that are on the card, and we just want to make sure that our fighters don't say or do anything dumb. So all you need to do is fly up there with us. We're going to put you in a, in a, in a hotel room. Uh, just hang out with the boxers up until the fight. Make sure they don't, you know, do something dumb. Yeah, it's cool. So flew up to Vegas. We were at the Mandalay Bay. They put me up on the top floor in a, in a one-bedroom suite. Freaking awesome experience. I'd never been to Vegas, so I'm like, here's a – you know, 25, 26 year old. Yeah, and you're, idiot. Spo- and you're supposed to be the one behaving. Yeah. And they're like, here's what we need to do. We're going to send you to Vegas. We're going to put you in a hotel for free. We're going to fly you there for free. We're going to give you a bunch of money to do it. Don't go nuts. But I knew after the fight was over, we were there for another two days. So I was like, well, if I can get through the fight without anybody going to jail, I got two days in Vegas on somebody else's dime. I'll pull it together. So we fly to Vegas and. They have the fight and 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 it was you know everything was cool. We just kind of hung out, whatever. Went and saw plays and whatever. Tried to behave myself until the fight was over. So we get to the night of the fight. Go to the fight. Bernard beats Roy. Uh, I'll tell you a quick interjection story because I met Michael Strahan at the fight. Strahan okay. was was insane. Strahan was one seat ahead of me. I was third seat back from the ring. Strahan was one seat ahead of me. Bernard hit Roy low blow twice. Once in the second round. Once in the fourth round or something. Like that. Second time. Now at the fight, my job's done. So I'm saucing a little bit, as adults do in Las Vegas. So, hits low. Third time he hits Roy low, I stand up. And I'm like, Bernard, you bitch, quit hitting him low. And Strahan kind of turns around and looks at me. He doesn't say anything and looks back at the ring. Next round, Bernard hits him low. And I mean, clearly, obviously. How is low. the fight not called yet? I mean, have there Be- been, have there been cause, points? Cause no, because Bernard's not an idiot. What Bernard would do is Bernard would get his left shoulder close to Roy. He would get the referee behind him, and he would throw a low blow block in the body. I saw what he was doing, and and and, and again, that I loved Bernard as a kid. I was and after that fight, not a fan anymore. Yeah, not a fan anymore. I was I was very disappointed. For for th- this fight is not for a belt, man. You're 50 years old. For Christ's sake, just fight the fight. Make it a yeah. good boxing match. You know. It's to put on a show and sell Put tickets. on a show. Exactly. Give these guys a farewell yeah. show between you and Roy. Yeah. I'm not even I don't even care if nobody wins. Just let everybody say goodbye, you know? And, and he thought so after the fourth chief shot, I'm furious and I stand up and I'm I'm cussing out Bernard. You know, three feet from Bernard. And Strahan turns around and he's like, Have you ever been an athlete professionally? No. Have you ever fought? No, look at me. No, clearly not. You know, I'm like, no, sir. You know, so I'm trying to be. I don't know, Michael Strahan, and also this man's very large and yeah. clearly upset with me. So I'm, be- no, sir. But that was clearly a cheap shot. Well, unless you know what the hell you're talking about, I don't want to hear another word. 
And I'm, you know, part of me is like, what are you going to do? Beat me up? But the other part of me is like, yeah, he might beat me up. So, okay. You know? Uh, you know what? I, with the kind of money that Strahan has, I'd take an ass whooping from him. I thought about it. I did. I was like, maybe I ought to just like, try yeah, a little more. Uh, let's so, go. <laughs> so, so it gets to be like the seventh, I think it was a nine round fight. It gets to be the seventh round. And finally, there's there's uh, Jumbotrons in the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. And they finally, they hadn't been on all night. All they had was a logo on them. Bernard Hopkins versus Roy Jones Jr., whatever. The third fight. Finally, they come on and they start showing replays. And after the fourth one, I guess whoever was running them f- saw what I saw. Mm-hmm. So after like the fourth one, they put the replay up on the screen. And it, you can clearly see Bernard throw a, a very low shot. I mean, he hit Roy right in the Royce, you know? So as soon as it happens, everybody in the building starts booing. Boo! And Strahan turns in his chair. And he looks at me, and he goes, hey, my bad, dog, you were right. <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, you know, I know, but cool, thanks, you know? So we get to the end of the round. There's like two more rounds, one more round. He goes, hey, let me get you a beer. And he walks to the back, and he grabs two beers, and he walks back, and he toasts me, and he's like, my bad, that's my fault. And goes back to watching the fight. That's all he said to me. I was like, that's pretty rad. So we get to the end of the fight. Fight's over. And... Uh, McGee, Roy's manager, comes up and he's like, "All right, man, we're done. You know, Roy's gonna hit the the hotel room for the night. You know, you got a day and a half. Go play, have fun, whatever." So one of the other boxers that was there, a young guy about my age at the time, I made friends with him, and and he was a cool guy. He goes, "Hey, uh, the the stable, the boxers, we're gonna go to. There was a a, a jungle themed run bar in the Mandalay Bay. We're all gonna go hit it up." I said, "Yeah, it's go go dancers and whatnot. I haven't been to Vegas. I'll go with guys who go to Vegas. Yeah." So we walk in there. And they got the back part roped off for all the people involved with the fight, for Roy's camp. So we're in the VIP section, which is great. And as I'm sitting back there, I start to recognize people walking in. Ben Affleck walks in with Jennifer Garner. They were together. It's like crazy. And I'm just sitting in the back wall like I'm this goofy nobody from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, sitting in the back of the room with, you know, a rum and Sprite or whatever I was drinking at the time, trying to stay out of the way. I don't, you know, I don't fit with these people. And it gets to be 2.30 in the morning. The club is jam-packed, and, and the but the VIP section is pretty open. And this part was great. You look, and there's at the rope, there's all the people that are looking, trying to see who's in there. So there's a handful of, a couple of straight-handed come in, a couple of football players and basketball players. So they're all looking in. And then after a while, in walks a, a group of, like, four guys, and right in the middle of them is Flav of freaking Flav. Like, this is the most ridiculous shit. But all right, cool, man. Flav's in the house, you know? And this was this was peak Flav of Flav time. This was like Flav of Love on TV and everybody, <laughs> America's sweetheart, Flav of Flav. <laughs> so he rolls in and he comes and he sits in the back and it's like me and this this dude who was a, a, a the, one of the boxers who I made friends with and a couple of the girls that he was hitting on and, you know, me and there was a couple of girls over on the other side. And I'm sitting there, and Flav walks over, and he's like, hey, can I get a seat? Yeah. Which, again, of all the celebrities there to hang out with, Flav of Flav's not the one I would have picked. But damn, I was wrong, right? So Flav just, like, sits down on this on this couple of bench seats we're sitting at. Is he still alive? Yeah. Okay. Flav's still around. Flav's still kicking. I don't know how, but he's still doing it. So Flav sits down. And he's talking to us for a minute or two. He doesn't really say anything. And he looks over and he's like, what y'all drinking? And the guy next to me is like, oh, vodka. So Flav stands up, walks over, grabs cocktail riches, and gets a bottle of vodka, which in a Vegas club is like thousand, you know, thousand dollars. Yeah, a thousand easily. bucks. Yeah. Flav just rats it off in cash, hands it to the lady. He's like, hey, bring us some, some vodka. 
So we're sitting on the bench. It's like two girls, the boxer, me, another two girls, Flava Flav. And at this point, of course, all the girls are hanging off of Flava Flav because, let's be real, they're not hanging out with us because of our stellar good looks. Mm. Boxer's all jacked up with yeah. a bruised face and a swollen eye, and I look like me. So it's not really like <laughs> yeah. we're the catch of the club. But we're in VIP, so we must have something going for us. Well, Flav just bought a $1,000 bottle of vodka in cash like it was nothing. So now they're all hanging out with Flav. And Flav's like, hey, <laughs> to the girls, can y'all leave us alone for a minute? <laughs> and she sends them away, which... Is again, I'm like, what? Is this where he busts out the blow? So, no, shockingly <laughs> enough, I was I, there was a part of me that's like, because again, like I'm a goody goody, right? So, I, in my head, I'm like, oh god, like, is this where the you know, yeah, e real do, Hollywood stories are about to start, you know? So, he like pops the vodka and he just starts pouring it into whatever cups were in front of us at this little table. And he's like, all right, y'all, and then just sits there. Conversation ends. But he just sits there drinking vodka with us. Cheers. That's it. That's all. So we get to... After he dismissed the ladies. Just sits there. He's just he's just watching. He's people watching. Which, of all the people to be people watching, like Flavor Flav's the one that we should all be watching. Mm. No, Flav's just hanging. So he sits in the bench for a few minutes, and then we're probably 30, 35 minutes later. It's got to be 3, 3.30 in the morning. He like looks over, and he's like, all right, I'm out. Later. And him and his boys just leave. That was the whole night for him. He walked in. He asked these two random white dudes at the end of the bar, can I steal a seat? VIP, yeah. He sends the girls away, gives us a bottle of vodka, drinks three drinks out of it, two, three maybe, and leaves. And that's it. And on the way out the door, he's like, see y'all, and leaves. I'm like, well, no, probably won't see you, Flava Flav. <laughs> but hey, that's cool, whatever. This was so, before selfies and shit, right? Yes. Well, no, I got a picture of it. Okay. I do have a picture of it. Uh, I had a... I had a no, I think this was iPhone days. I think you it was like right. Do you still have a picture? Yeah. Oh yeah. Can I'll, we can we please use that as our uh, our website? Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. it. So I got oh. it on Facebook somewhere. I'll All find right. it. All now right, again, so. I like I like super cheesy because I'm in <laughs> I'm in like a, a purple suit. Like I was ring, yeah. I was yeah, ready yeah, for yeah. ring announcer in case they. That was, I was backup ring announcer in case anything. Mm. Should, you know who called the fight that night? Who? Freaking uh, Mr. Let's Get Ready wrote it to Rumble himself. Oh wow! You know, which was awesome. Uh, Michael Buffer because I met him too, and he's a total germaphobe. Right, so he won't shake anybody's hand. He fist bumps you, and then immediately pulls a bottle of Purell out of his pocket and washes his hands. Fist bump, Purell, and I watched him do it seventy-five times in the room before the, in the little green room before the fight. Everybody, Mister Buffer, and they and he did the awkward thing. You know, you shake a hand and the awkward thing where the guy ch- gives you the fist bump and you're like, um. Mm. That's when you just grab their hand. Like, right, hand. I think you'd give Michael Buffer a panic attack if you did that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that was super cool. But uh, so anyway, Flav leaves. We're sitting at the bar. I look over, and I'm talking to the dude, and I wish I could remember his name. And I, I'm like, what the hell? And he looks at me, and he's like, I, I, huh? Uh, I, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> so we sat there, and we finished the bottle of vodka, and then we just left the bar. Because it's like, what do you do? Where do you go from here? What What's up from s- not talking to, sitting next to Flava Flav drinking vodka that he bought? What's next? Where do you go? What's the next Vegas story? Uh, and so that was it. We 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 went upstairs. We knew we had one more night. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do tomorrow to top drunk with Flava Flav, but yeah, we'll try. So we had one more night, which was hilarious. He picked up a woman by pretending to be blind, which was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and then we got on the plane the next day and came home. And I have not been back to Vegas since, and I'm a little afraid to try. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude. I would have. Uh... 
<laughs> you should have gotten Flav Flav's number, Ben. Like, oh, we're here tomorrow. Can we get Flav on the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, tomorrow we're drinking tequila. Right, 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 right. So if you just show up tomorrow and just yeah. take care of tequila. It was, it was just the, the craziest damn thing. Yeah. Yeah, geez, man. Well, that's cool. I didn't know uh, I didn't know you had done uh, a lot of work with Roy. Yeah, I did. Uh, I called, I think I called three of his fights and then went to a fourth. And then, uh, you know, I'm still, I still do, I, I don't do as much work for a while. I was kind of helping them with PR and marketing and stuff like that. But I'm, you know, McGee, his manager and I are mm-hmm. still tight and, mm-hmm. and, uh, he fought his last fight over in Pensacola yeah, like two weeks three, ago, three right? four weeks ago, yeah. and so I was I was ringside for that. My little brother and I, you know, big Roy fan. My little brother and I yeah. went to that fight and sat ringside for that. And uh, I mean, super. And, and I'll tell you this about Roy. Roy is a he's a genuinely good dude. He really is. There's there's two stories I have, and I'll knock him out because I I don't want to go into crazy long stories. But uh, high school, I went to a high school basketball game with him in Pensacola. He went to his alumni, which was Washington, if I recall correctly. And he walked into the gym, and, and of course everybody starts swarming him for for autographs and pictures and everything. So he walks over and he grabs the PA mic in the high school gym, and he goes, "If you guys, I'm here. I'm not here for for this. We're here to watch these kids play basketball. If you guys will will." Late, let low until the game's over. I'll sign autographs after the game. Dude stayed in that gym for an hour after the basketball game and signed every autograph and took every picture that anybody asked him for. Yeah. Way after the basketball game, kids include the the other team, the visiting team there from like Tallahassee or something came over and he took pictures with. Oh, that was it was super guy. And then uh, there was a second story uh, with Roy. Well, it's not really a story, just a thing that happened. I saw Roy about a year after the Vegas fight, which is the last time I had seen him, right? Now, granted, up till Vegas, I spent like a week with him. I was in his camp, so I was his PR guy. So I was in his camp, I was training, I was in his gym in Pensacola, I went to New Orleans with him, we rode in a car together back and forth. I was with him for, for two weeks, but, you know, still, again, how many people does Roy Jones Jr. meet in a, in a lifetime? So about a year later, there was a, a charity event in Pensacola that I was emceeing, and McGee called me, and he's like, hey, me and Roy are going to be here. We'll you know, grab a beer afterwards. Yeah, it's cool. So I went and got a beer after, and Roy walks over. Roy catches my eye, and I'm not going to say anything because, again, I, you know, he didn't know me. I worked for him for two weeks in publicity. He walks over. Rob, how you been, man? How you doing? Like, remembered my name, remembered mm-hmm. what I did for him. I didn't expect that. You know, I forget people's name. I'll, I'll, I forget people's name two days after I meet him. Roy remembers me two years later. Now, you know, that was three years ago, so I don't know if he'd remember but uh, you know, super dude. We threw a we threw a charity benefit concert, the Rock for a Cure charity benefit yeah, concert yeah, for Walton every year. Two yep. weeks ago, yeah. We've thrown ten of them now. We throw mm-hmm. it every every January, February, and so about uh, I guess two or three years ago, it was either seven or eight. I was talking to McGee and I said, "Hey, McGee, you know, can I can I get a pair of gloves signed by Roy to auction off for the American Cancer Society?" He goes, "I'll do you one better. How about I bring Roy? I'll let him, you know you auction him off. I'll have him sign him in person." Roy shows up, hangs out for. Two hours, signs autographs, takes pictures. You know, we we ask people for a you that's know, funny five too, ten dollar donation. The block to do it. doesn't seem like Roy's typical. It, I don't think it, I don't think you it know, would be so good on him. To, but he walked up yeah. in the VIP section, dude. He 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 was up there when my band was playing. Our mm-hmm. band headlined that year. Shenanigans headlined, and Roy was up there, and Roy was rocking his ass off, man, having mm-hmm. the time of his life. It was great. And then about halfway through the set, he looks down, he waved, and took off out the back door. But again, the fact that he was willing to do that yeah. with his time was didn't ask, didn't ask for a dime, no appearance fees, right. didn't want, didn't ask for a dime, took pictures, signed. It was great. It was awesome, dude. Yeah, man. I have I have one Roy Jones story. It's neither one as cool as yours, but it was when I was young and very drunk. <clears throat> I went to Seville Quarter. I think uh, this is going to be 2002, maybe. And uh, I straight up 
<clears throat> I didn't. I wouldn't recognize Roy Jones because I wasn't. You know, I was young and I wasn't into right. boxing. My brother was a big boxing fan, and uh, you know, right when you go down, have you been to Seville? Oh yeah, my band shenanigans plays there all the time. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you, you cool know where the the, uh, the big the big room where everyone's dancing. You know, you have the few steps to get down into like Phineas Fogs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I was coming down those steps and I didn't quite make that last step. <laughs> and pummeled into fucking Roy Jones. Really? Like hit him hard. Yeah. Hit him hard. And like, and I just looked up and I was like, hey man, I'm sorry. And just kept walking. And my brother was like, dude. My brother's like, dude, you just about, you just about died. You right. know that, right? And I was right. like, why? He's like, that's Roy Jones. And I was like, no, it's not. He's like, that's definitely yeah. Roy. So I was like, shit. So I walked up to him. I was like, Mr. Jones. And he looked at me and I was like, I'm very sorry for stumbling and running into you. Please don't like, murder me. Yeah. And he was just like, it's cool. It's cool. Yo, dude. That's like, a, no, yeah. Like, he's like, that's I'm, him. He's like, yeah, stupid, stupid white kid getting yeah. white kid wasted. <laughs> that's him, man. You know, like, he's all, he's, yeah. he's just a, he's just a genuinely good dude. I've yeah. seen him do stuff like that all the time. I've, you know, yeah. I, I met, uh, I don't remember how many years ago, but I, I met him at Smith. He was doing a, uh, an autograph signing in Pensacola once and, and I watched him at Smith and this is not a good story. The I watched him at Smith. Opposite, right? Exact opposite. Yep. Emma Smith was charging, you know, yep. twenty bucks for an autograph or something like that. And then uh, I watched him leave the 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 store. It was one of the malls in Pensacola. I can't remember which one. And uh, I was walking out behind him because I was I was there to ask him if he'd come on the show. Mm-hmm. And I was walking out behind him, and a kid runs up to him in the parking lot, didn't make it on time or whatever. And uh, hey, Mister Smith, can I have your autograph? Twenty bucks. And he looked. The kid like turns around, and looks at his dad, and the dad's like, "I don't have any cash." And Emmett just turns around and walks away. Yeah, this kid was five six. Doesn't years give old. a shit about Pensacola, five six right? years old. Yeah. I, I, you know, and again, and and and, and again, mm. it's kind of one of those things that I, I, I I'm, I don't I've like to judge a guy. Thing. Right, I don't like to judge a guy off of one interaction. Mm-hmm. But when there's story upon story upon story that follows you around, yeah, you know, you, it is what it is. And so I, so I've got one that I saw in person, and then all these stories, and it's, it's super disappointing because there's all these other guys from Pensacola, like Roman Reigns and the Usos and WWE, who come back and give so much time anytime they're in town. And then you got Bubba Watson, who, uh, you know, he bought the Wahoos because he's going to be he's going to be mayor though. Oh, Bubba, absolutely, he wants to be the mayor, absolutely, so. and he could, yeah. you know, and he comes back and and you know now Bubba's a guy who uh, shall I say enjoys the finer things in life. The mm-hmm. dude went and dropped cash gr- cash on a. Uh, 69 Dodge Charger that was the, one of the, you know, the, it's a general lead from Dukes of Hazard. It's just always what he wanted, so he bought yeah. it cash. But again, Gave if I was, million dollars, yeah, I mean, if, if I was making $10 million a year playing ga- uh, playing golf, I would also buy dumb stuff all the Absolutely. time. Yes, I have a three-story house with a water slide off the top of it, because why not? Because I can. Because I can. Wouldn't you? So that's, I love, because I hear a lot of people in Pensacola, oh, the money went to Bubba's head. And it's not that it went to his head, it's just that he has it now. Yeah. You know, it's really funny to me when people, and again, I work in sports radio, so there's no Dodge Chargers in my life right now, right? But like, it's so funny to me when I hear people go, oh, that what a jerk, the money went to his, no, it's not that it went to his head, it's just that he has it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course you would also buy needlessly dumb crap yeah, if you have the budget. Shit. Oh, yeah. I want it all. I want all of the dollars. And, and, and you know, who's it? Daniel Tosh. And I'm not a huge Tosh fan, but, uh, you know, it, the reason I'm willing to work poor for so long is because if I can ever bump from, you know, we talked about those two echelons of sports radio hosts, the where I am and where Jim Rome is. If I can ever bump up to that next echelon, if I can ever get up to the point where people are syndicating me across even a dozen stations, where where I'm getting money to to broadcast across multiple stations, or if you're even like ESPN Saints yeah, correspondent, yeah, absolutely. If I know? can if I can just get to that to that next tier, 
then it will have been worth it because money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a lot of other shit that makes yeah. you happy. You Absolutely. know what I mean? I think Daniel Tosh said, uh, try to try to frown on a wave runner. You can't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it's a great line. And it's like, yep, mm. you're right. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Before we go, I got a couple, I got a couple things for you, man. Yeah. The first one is since you are a sports talk radio host, and I'm sure you probably, um, You've only been back on Sports Talk for a little bit. Uh, I've been back on for been back on for no, it's been like three weeks. I've been back on for like three weeks now. But uh, you know, it's it's I I got eight years in the background before that. All right, so tell me why I'm wrong on this one. Oh, this is my favorite kind of radio. UCF should have had a chance at the playoffs. UCF should have had a chance at the playoffs. The reason that you're right is because you just never know. The reason that you're wrong is they scheduled Maine, like mm-hmm. that was, and and that was one of their. I don't want to say tougher games, but that was like the average opponent, right? Mm-hmm. So Georgia and Bama and Clemson uh, and Oklahoma played through murderers' rows of schedules and came out at most with one loss. So so this is what I say on the radio, and and I'm gonna ask you to 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 be intellectually honest right now. Uh, and I want you to be intellectually honest. Would UCF beat Alabama? Scratch that. Let me ask it this way. Forget could, honesty. Could Forget honesty. Have. Forget honesty. Could they have? I'd no, say. Wait. I'd say with the way they played against Auburn, I'd say two out of ten times now, UCF would have beat here's, Alabama. No, I I could not fundamentally disagree with you more. All right. Now here's the thing about the Auburn game because that's what everybody says. Well, they did it to Auburn. Auburn beat mm-hmm. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Here's the reality about that bowl game. Think about the position that Auburn was in. Auburn had beat Georgia. Auburn had beat Alabama. Those two teams both leapfrogged them to go into the playoffs. Alabama was in letdown city, and they didn't give a damn about that bowl game. Why would they? I mean Auburn. I mean Auburn. Yeah. Why would they? Why would they care about that bowl game? It was a game that didn't matter against an opponent that is not SEC caliber for being honest. And Mm -hmm. I'm not SEC guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, oh, SEC's better than everybody. No, it's just another very good conference. But if I was to say to you right now, I'll bet you your 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 podcasting studio here that UCF can't beat Alabama. Would you bet everything in this in this room on it? No, I said no. I'd say maybe two out of ten times. Right, max. two out of ten. Now, granted, it can happen. Right, UMBC can beat Virginia sixteen to one in a in a in a basketball tournament. One game can go the way. Mm-hmm. But the argument for the playoffs was not. We take the four teams that have done the most against the teams on their schedule. We ask for the four best college football teams. If you genuinely believe that UCF was one of the best four football teams in college football this year, then I'm going to say respectfully, you didn't watch enough college football Mm -hmm. because they were very good, but they were not play through the SEC undefeated good. They were not play through the SEC two losses good. Yeah. My my main argument for it is they, there's nothing else they could have done to deserve a spot, and if you have it, t- then if that's the case, because they they can't schedule a schedule like that. Maybe moving forward, since they had a year like they mm-hmm. did, they they can maybe they can maybe get some better teams on their schedule. However, because up until eight years ago, UCF was Florida's fuck you team. Sure, you yeah. Know? So. So the thing, my, my argument was there's nothing more that UCF could have done. And if that's the case, why let them play so, at all? So if they have zero chance with everything they did, they couldn't have, they couldn't have had a better season. Um, 
there's no there. I don't. I think there there's an argument that says you have to at least let them try because if not, there's no point in letting them even play D one ball. There's there's yeah. two there's two things I can circle around to. First off, the argument that you're making is not force UCF in the playoff. The argument you're making is let's have a different system. Let's reform the system that decides who the champion is. Right. I, you're, the argument you're making, I understand what you're saying. I would have put them as I would have had them as one of the four. See, I wouldn't have. Because yeah. Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield was clearly a better football team. Mm-hmm. Georgia was clearly a better football team. Alabama was clearly a better football game football team. The only one maybe you could have dropped is maybe you could have argued Clemson. Mm-hmm. But again, Clemson played through a tough ACC with one loss, whereas USF played Maine. Now, a, a weaker ACC, UCF. though. Not a great ACC, yeah. but again, is it better than yeah. Conference a, a USA? Mi- a, a yes. Miami, that was found out. Miami, Miami was found season. out. Florida State uh, you know, was Florida terrible, State, yeah, and I agree. It was a bad yeah. conference, but yeah. I would still take it over Conference USA mm-hmm. in terms of quality. Now, so the argument you're making, I would I would say first and foremost, is let's reform the system, and I'm okay. We can entertain that. But in terms of what was UCF realistically, I, I wouldn't bet a dollar on them having beat any of the four teams head-to-head. Now, maybe they would have proven me wrong in a, in a playoff, but if, if my thing is this. If you got to determine who the better team is, then I will. I, I I ask you simply put your cash where your ass is. Hmm. Very simply, what would you bet your radio studio on if, if Bama played UCF? Bama. If Bama play, if UCF played Clemson, who would you bet your money on? Clemson. If if you say anything to the contrary, and and this I, is where I, I sound I like I would a have jerk. bet. I would have bet my studio on Auburn though. On Auburn over or US yeah. UCF over Auburn? No, to bet them on Auburn here. Yeah, probably. Oh, and that's fine. Like that. Now that's an argument yeah. I'll entertain. Should if you said to me, should Auburn have been in the playoff because they did beat Bama and Georgia both? Okay, that's an argument that's tougher to think because the question is who are the four best teams? Well, if two teams play head to head, the best team is the team that has the higher score at the end of four quarters. And Bama had the higher score. I mean, Auburn had a higher score than Bama, and now Auburn had a higher score than Georgia. So that, I would argue that you have a stronger argument for Auburn going to the playoff than you did UCF going to the playoff, even though UCF ultimately beat Auburn. Because I can can give you a list of reasons that Auburn's bowl game against UCF, respectable win by UCF, don't get me wrong, that's a hell of a win for that program. But let's be honest, Auburn was not playing this, that, that was not the same Auburn team that played in the Iron Bowl. The other thing I would say about UCF is, Yes, it is going to be immensely difficult for them to add to their offseason schedule, right? Especially now, because if you're Florida State, you want to add UCF? Hell to the no. I don't want their coming and sniping me in Tallahassee, especially when I'm trying to come back. If you're all, if you're or Florida or Miami, yep. you're going to invite UCF to your house? Hell, are you going to go to their house? No, I'm not trying to get sniped when I'm trying to rebuild. If you're a college football national championship threat, if you're Bama, how entertaining would it be for Bama to invite UCF to come to Tuscaloosa? That'd be drama for the days. ESPN would drop millions of dollars on that. But it ain't going to happen. Not because Bama's not the better team. They are. But because of that 16-1 seed upset where UCF goes in there and something crazy happens and, and uh, Tua breaks a leg and the backup quarterback gets hurt and the linebacker goes out and now all of a sudden UCF pulls off a miracle Appalachian State over Michigan win and you never hear the end of it. Oh, did that hurt a little bit? Yeah. Sorry about that, that's, buddy. Yeah, that's me. I saw that reaction. <laughs> yeah. It's like he almost threw the headphones across the room. <laughs> that's, a, that's still a tough one. Yeah. Man. So, um, no, I can. I guess I can agree with all that. My Honestly, though, I don't think, even though I, I – here's where I have the problem is I thought that Alabama, from going into the playoffs, I thought Alabama was going to win the playoffs. However, I didn't think that a team – that didn't even play for a conference title 
let alone win their conference title, should somehow be allowed to be one of the four teams that compete for a national title. Here's the thing about the conference titles. I, I agree with that as well. Yeah? yeah. <clears throat> Here's the thing about the conference titles. I understand that, but if the best team in the country loses one game, which is what happened to Bama, right? Yep. They lost one game. Do we agree that Alabama was still the best team in the country after having watched them beat Georgia in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, again, the playoffs aren't for the four best teams who also win their conferences. The playoffs are for the four best teams. Now, if you want to reform it to make it where it's a mandate. Now, I'm a proponent of an 18 playoff. Power five, conference winners, three at large. Three at large yeah. Okay? That's my. That's how I think the perfect setup is. You add one round of playoff games. Would you put UCF in that? I would have put UCF in that. My five would have been Auburn for winning. Uh, for, yeah. or, or, or Auburn would have been in it. Bama, Georgia. So you still get three SEC teams because two of the at-largest could have gone to the SEC realistically. Yeah. Really. Could, they could have. Yeah, but by that time, Auburn was a three-loss team. Yeah, and and again, but but the two of the wins were such quality. I, uh, let me rephrase that. I I don't I don't know that I would say I definitely would have. I'm saying you could have theoretically put Auburn in it, yeah. right? UCF would have gotten in, and then we would have found out. But I'd have my Pac-12 winner, my ACC winner, my Big Ten winner, my Big Twelve winner, my SEC winner, and then I'd have three that I go, and the final three are for the three best teams because because you might have a Bama who doesn't even go to the SEC championship game, but they are clearly one of the best teams in the country. It's just the way the math fell on the SEC preventing them from winning. You got Georgia, who wins the SEC. You got Bama, who is clearly one of the best. So there's an SEC and an at-large. So you got two at-larges left. You still can pick UCF. Now you got one at-large left. So now who's the best team that got left out? Now, the problem with the college football playoff is, no matter how many slots you open it up to, if you make it four, number five is always going to bitch. If you make it eight, number nine's always going to bitch. If you make it 16, number 17's always going to bitch. That's just the reality of the situation. But we, as a, as, a, as a nation of sports fans, have to eventually go, okay, that's enough. And I think eight's the number. I, I do. I think I, I, I went back and, and... But remember how relieved you were when we got four? Yeah. Absolutely. I was like, oh, four was a, four was a blessing because yeah. of this exact. What yeah. would happen? What would happen if it was BCS this year? Who goes? Who do you put in there? Alabama, Georgia, still? Because what happens no, to Oklahoma then? So. What happens to Oklahoma? I don't think so. I think you. I, I think you have to go Oklahoma. Okay, so now you leave Bama at home because because yeah. I because if you're yeah, a Georgia you fan and you send Bama yeah. over Georgia, who was only a one loss team but also won the SEC, yeah. Yeah. Georgia yeah. fans are going to flip. Yeah. So clearly, two just did not work. Yeah. You go to four, it's a bit better. But there's see the thing is at four, there's still a rational argument. I think if you go to eight, when you start trying to fit in nine, you got to start throwing out some some BS to try to squeeze number nine in there, right? You didn't win your conference, and also you're not one of the three objectively best remaining. And you probably you probably aren't going to have an undefeated non-power five, right? Left there, you, out. You can't. You can't do that. Yeah. Right. Because because if you yeah. if you have your SEC champion, right. Yeah. You can't have another undefeated team left. Is it, it, the, now you can have the SEC champion and the SEC runner-up, mm -hmm. right? So if you get a, a team that comes six and zero or, or comes twelve and zero out of the SEC East and twelve and zero out of the West, and they play each other, and now you got a team that's thirteen and zero with a championship and twelve and one, and they lost a, a one point ball game to the SEC champion. Okay, well we got an at large for that. That's why we <clears> have <throat> that number. Yeah. So that's that's the way I would structure it. I think it gets rid of most of it, and I think if you go back over the past, let's say. 10 years and you look at the final 
before the playoffs and before the BCS standings, and you count your five champions and then the three best remaining teams, I think most of the years that there was controversy, it goes away. Because the one thing you can't argue with is a scoreboard at the end of a football game. And that's what uh, that's what a 19 or an 18 playoff would do. Yeah. It would give you eight best teams and scoreboards between them to prove it. And that's all I want. That's all I want. And Condoleezza Rice to make the calls. And Condi to make the calls. Hey, anybody who's a <laughs> member at Augusta is okay with me. Um, all right, man, last question before we go. Fire away. I got all day. All right. I got all Scott day, Ma- and you Scott got a McKinney. bottle of whiskey. Scott McKinney. All right. Over under on how long he goes away for. Mm. You're going to – well, I don't care if I get in trouble. What are you going to do? Uh, you don't have to – if you think you're in trouble, no, you don't have to No, no, it's that. fine. It's fine. Um, I, let me just say and, this. And – does he get his job back when he comes back? No, he's not coming back. Okay. And I'll tell you, again, I, I'm not a lawyer, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. What I can tell you is the situation, which is the last time the guy did this, right, he got a five-year sentence, he served two and a half, and then he did it again. And I know the gentleman who is sitting on the, uh, the, the, the judge's bench when he goes to face the music this time around. And he's not anybody who's known for putting up with some foolishness. And I suspect that's going to fit into the next round of numbers that that former co-worker of mine is going to hear. But here's the thing. All I ask out of people, and this is not, I don't think, difficult. uh, Just be an honest person, right? Like, just be honest. It's not that difficult. And... I mean, you think you've got problems. There's always somebody with worse problems than you. So stealing from other people is never a thing that I can, you know, we all make dumb mistakes, and I get that. And and I promise you, most everybody listening to this has done something illegal at some point in their life. None of us are above it. But there's something about directly harming other people Especially when you proclaim to be something absolutely that you're not, right? When you proclaim to be, well, I'm a, I'm a good Christian man, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm this and I'm that, while you are literally hurting other people, while you are making other people's life, and I don't care how much money they have, right? Well, he's got all this money. It doesn't matter. It's not. That's not how the world works. The fact that he hurt people who are friends, who are good people. Who are who are business not just business relationships but but relationships that 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 then also do business with right because mm-hmm. that that's just, that's the thing to me in this line of work and, and really in my life as a whole is when you have relationships that are business relationships the emphasis should be on the word relationships not the emphasis on the word business that's the way I am now that's not to say that your primary reason for the relationship is in business but if you're if you and I are going to shake hands and we're going to say I'm going to do this and you're going to pay me that or you're going to do this and I'm going to pay you that. You have a relationship where what you say and what you do is what you say and what you do. So it was just very disappointing that he would, especially after being given a second chance. And and, and frankly, and I being a, being given a second chance at my expense, right? Because when he came back, the radio station owners uh, who who are very loyal people, right? When I was graduating from UWF. And I was trying to finish my degree. And I had to go to Pensacola three times a week for classes. But I was also hosting the morning rap. They would literally let me do my show 
from a piece of equipment in the parking lot at UWF because the show ended at nine and my first class was at nine. And I would hang on the uh, hang on the phone and I would do the show from a from a from a barracks box, which is just a you know, takes a cell phone signal, makes it sound a little better. Mm-hmm. I would do the show sitting in the parking lot at UWF because they would let me do that so that I could finish college. They're very loyal people. And 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 I'll always have a debt of gratitude to them. So when McKinney came back and McKinney walked in and said, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I recognize the error of my ways. I'm this, I'm that. I apologize. I want to make it right. I want to fix it. I want to pay back what I owe. They gave him the chance. And they came to me and said, hey, look, man, you can be his sidekick. Well, my, in this whatever, my pride said, Oh hail to the no! Mm-hmm. I've been here eight years. I'm not. I'm not sidekicking for a guy who has stolen that much money from other people. So I walked, and severely damaged the station while he was at it. Very much. I mean, I, I can tell you this: selling advertising for them over the past three, four, five weeks, I've had a number of local businesses that are like, "I like you, I like your show, but I, I can't, I can't give money to the station that that." had Scott McKinney there. And it's not even like a direct, no, we don't trust the ownership and we don't trust you. It's not that. It's just the fact that his name is tied to that station, whether we like it or not. And so I have <clears throat> I have two jobs now. Job number one is to do a show that's entertaining and, and, and informing and fun. You know, and we do a lot of, we do goofy stuff on my show. You know, we do a, a tweet of the day where I give stuff away from the studio. And when I say stuff like the other day, uh, I gave away a half used bottle of Purell because, and I autographed it because it, it, you know, just goofy stuff. Uh, we do, you know, we do dumb little trivia things. We're doing that nine, nine, nine challenge. We, we, we do all kinds of goofy crap. We, we do a tweet of the day every day where we let people get their names on the air just for participating in the show. But the reason we do all that is because I want people to know that the station relies on the people that listen to it. And this is true of every sports station in America. It's true of every radio station in America. If nobody's listening, you don't have a station, right? But I have two jobs, which is one, do a damn good show that people can be entertained, enlightened, informed, entertained by, but also to clean the filth off of that station that his name put on it. And it's it's something that is not just going to happen. It's going to take time and it's going to take work and it's going to take effort, which is why, you know, I tell people all the time when I go see them for, for, for advertising sales, I can't do anything with the station. I understand. I'm not mad at you. I get it. What I will tell you is you let me know what you need me to do on my end to make that station better. And I'll take care of that. But in the meantime, I'm not mad at you for it. I totally understand. Yeah. And that's, that's just part of, 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 of this job in my life. And, and again, I am mad at him, and I, you know, I, I try not to let anger be a, a driving force, but I am. I'm mad at him because not only did he cost me my job the first time around, but now he's making my job even more difficult this time around. Like I walked back to the station when I, I, I did government public relations for a year and walked away from that because me and politicians don't really see eye to eye. So I walked away from that job and went back, and I was like, I don't care if it doesn't pay anything. I'm going to go back on the radio, and I'm going to make it work. And the station owners were like, "Great, you're back on the morning show. You know, you were you were loyal to us when he wasn't. And we we accept that and we apologize and go get go get him, Tiger. You know, so I did and I went back and and again to go see people. Well, we're not going to do anything with the station. So it, it it's turned into he's making my life harder from behind bars, and that sucks. But it doesn't suck for me. I'm fine with it. 
I'm willing to work a little extra. I'm willing to spend a few more hours a day sales pitching. That's fine. Who it sucks for are the people in this town who want good sports talk radio but don't feel that they can come back to that station because of him. And there's a few of them. Now, every day that I'm back, we get a few more people who, you know, I go look. And I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk here, but, hey, man, if I can forgive and forget and come back to the station, why can't you? What's, what, what's stopping you? I mean, if anybody got hosed by McKinney the first time around, it was me, right? I lost my job. I lost yeah. my passion over that. At the time, I was making, I don't know, $24,000 a year maybe to do that show. You know, I'm I doing a little bit better when I was doing the Hooter Sports show. But again, all that went away because of him. If anybody got hosed by that cat, it's me. So if I can come back and say the station's fine, the people who run it are good people who also got screwed. Yeah. Why in the world can't you come back? And 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 that's what I ask people. So, you know, my show is Shameless Self-Promotion, 6 to 9 a.m. Every, every Monday through Friday. We, we're on three stations. I range from Pensacola to the far side of Panama City. What three stations? Uh, 100.3 FM, 97.1 FM, and 93.7 FM uh, from Pens- from Fort Walton, Pensacola, and, P- and Panama City, respectively. Uh, we're also on WeAreSportsRadio.com. We stream every show is streamed live from the website. So uh, you can go to the website on your phone or on your computer and listen to me 6 to 9 a.m. every single Monday through Friday. And again, my show is not serious. Serious is boring, man. Like, I don't want to be serious. Life's too short to be serious all the time. I got to be serious when it's time to pay bills. I got to be serious when it's time to go buy new tires because I hit a nail on the way over here. It's more, that's serious. I got three hours to entertain and enlighten. So, yeah, we talk a little professional wrestling here and there because there's millions of people who like that crap and it's fun. You know, yeah, we're going to talk about Tiger. But you better believe that we're gonna make Elon Woods jokes while we do it. I mean, I don't. Life's too short to be. And, and and sports are supposed to be fun. Sports are a freaking escape from reality. They yeah, are not sure. reality, which is why it, you know, it drives me crazy. I had a guy one time when we were at our old studio on 98 in Fort Walton Beach. Who I this was like a year or two after Saban got there, and I said something about Saban being the dictator, you know, because I, I, I. I know I don't know him personally. I mean, I as a media guy, I know how Saban operates with the media, and he's not an easy guy to work with if you're media. He doesn't not, he does not like the media, right? It's not his bag of not his bag of cats or whatever. And so I said something on the air once about how, you know, I can understand as a player why I'd want to play for Nick Saban. Look at the success rate, right? But as a media guy, I couldn't think of anybody I'd want to work for less than Nick Saban. And I had a couple other choice comments. And again, they were fun and joking, or at least I thought they were. And this is it. Uh, I was on the, I think it was on the night show at the time. It's like nine 30 at night. I'm leaving the radio station. I walk downstairs and there's headlights in the parking lot, which is not supposed to be a thing. And there's a guy in the parking lot who is banging Rota. on the door. <laughs> wanting, wanting to, in his words, not mine, quote, whoop your ass end quote. And I'm like, I'm yelling through the door. Why? And it was because I said something bad about Saban. He wanted to whoop my ass. All right. Think about the life you must live. That you're driving around in your car. You're sitting at your house. And some Podunkville nobody radio show host, who Nick Saban doesn't even know, says one time, hey, Nick Saban's kind of mean. <laughs> Imagine the life you must live that you feel called to action to get up, drive to that radio station, Stand outside of it for 15 to 45 minutes. Beat on the door when the lights in the studio are off 
and wait for a kid, because I was probably 25, 26 at the time, wait for a child <laughs> to come down the stairs as a 50-plus-year-old man to yell at them through a door that you want to whoop their ass because they said something mean about your... Co- and by the way, I bet you a dollar to donut that kid had never... That gentleman had never stepped on the on the campus of Alabama, not one time. Or, I, I or any other, for that matter. Or any other college campus. But just imagine... So, yeah, I tell people all the time, sports are supposed to be fun. You know, the Saints lost to the Vikings in the most heartbreaking way possible, right? Down 17 nothing at halftime. Everybody in the world was like, Saints are done. Chalk up the Vikings. It's over. Saints come storming back. They get it to 24. It's, you know, and, and, and here they go. And what happens? Last play of the game, miracle Hail Mary. Poor rookie defensive back misses a tackle. Vikings score a, a, a miracle of a touchdown and win and take away the Saints' dream of, a, of, of Super Bowl two that. It's, it's, it's depressing. And, and, you know, the girlfriend was watching the game with me. My girlfriend's not a big football fan, right? She, she turns me loose for football, which is a thing I love about her, right? So she... She watched the game with me. It's me and my mom. My mom's a, a huge Saints fan. And we're all sitting there watching the game. And it ends. And the girlfriend, like, she looks at me. And she looks back down. And she looks over. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. Like, she recognized what that did to my spirit and my soul, right? Like, it was, you, I mean, I was like a puddle on the floor. Like, how do you lose that game? With that defense and Drew Brees and a 17-point comeback. I mean, we were writing a fantasy story about the Saints march into the Super Bowl. Go to Philly and get, God, at least give them a better game than Minnesota did, for God's sake. But she's, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And so we get home. <clears throat> and it's like a couple hours later. And I'm still bummed out, you know. And then I get up the next day and you go to work and you live your life, right? She's like, oh, I thought you'd be, I thought you'd be upset for a few days. It's a football game, dude. Mm-hmm. We'll get, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to have a good draft. We know the defense is going to be badass next year. Because think about think about what that defense is going to be out to prove next year. Think about what that kid, Marcus <laughs> yeah, Williams, is yeah. going to want to do this year. Think about what Drew Brees. Yeah, well, he's been posting every day. And I don't have Instagram. But this guy is posting Instagram videos every day of him lifting. the Not lifting weights. Lifting the weight rack. Uh, Alvin Kamara put a picture. Who, By the way. Alvin Kamara 2020. Can we make him president? Uh, Alvin Kamara posted an Instagram video of him <laughs> carrying a weight rack. You know, the the big, yeah. the huge metal rack that all the... Carrying the weight rack with chains attached to a Jeep Wrangler carrying that up a hill. Think about that for a second. What's a Jeep Wrangler weigh? Guess. 5,000 pounds? Chained to a weight rack. Literally. And this is not like an exaggeration. Literally. Marching up a hill. Yeah, as a Saints fan, a little excited. A little <laughs> excited for next year. So, I, you know, I, I told her. I said, I was bummed and I was upset yesterday. Because, yeah, I kind of convinced myself we were going to win a Super Bowl. But it's over. And the season's over. And now I'll watch a good Super Bowl that I don't have to emotionally get, invest in and, and get my heart ripped out and stomped on if you lose the Super Bowl. At least it just happened now. And then we move on because sports are supposed to be fun and dumb and and irreverent and goofy and whatever. I'll never understand people who fight over their football team. I'll never understand people who get into fights about about a game. I'll never understand it. You know, the SEC wants to let people bring guns into stadiums next year. Of course, come on, man. Like I'll never understand that. <clears throat> but that's why I do the show that I do. What's the spring practice report? I don't care. I don't. 
They the, the, a bunch of seventeen year olds threw a football to each other. Really, you know that's that's goofy. That's silly. I'd rather talk about the new Avengers trailer, which looks badass. And that's you know that's the kind of show that we do. So, but at the same time, to go circle back around to that long winded answer to a question that had nothing to do with what I just answered. Uh, the reality is I got a stench to clean off that station and, and so does Jake Mitchell. Who's my co-host. Who's a you know 21 year old kid and is lights out. I mean, in terms of knowing sports stuff, he is my, he's a, he's a walking Wikipedia man. He's brilliant. And then Chad Berlante, who's doing the afternoon show, who, yeah, who's got a job to do and he's over in Pensacola and he's killing it. And then we got Scott Moore, who is known around the South for, for his long running radio show, who more broadcasts out of our studio now. And, and, you know, he, I mean, not only he, he, oh, he shares the name, you know, he's got to help clean the filth off of that. So it's a, it's, it's a process, but this area, as we talked about at the beginning of this whole thing, this area is a killer place to be a sports fan. We got professional sports. We got great college sports. We got great, great amateur sports. Our high school teams are threatening for championships every year. This area deserves a good sports talk radio station. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let that guy ruin what can be and is going to be and will be a great sports talk radio station. And that's that's why I'm doing what I'm mm-hmm. doing. It doesn't pay anything. I don't care. My money comes from a guy calling and going, I'm a hot dog vendor, and I love your show, and I love what you do, and I will bring my hot dog cart to your studio to make you hot dogs while you do it. I had a guy a couple of weeks ago when I told him I was coming back. I was sitting at Shalimar Cheers in Shalimar. Shameless plug. Love that bar. Great beer selection. And there was a kid sitting in there and covering tattoos, which and it, do you? It's just you wouldn't see preppy Rob Brown with his, you know, with his old navy shirt talking to this kid who's got tattoos up and down his neck, right? And he walks over to me, and he says, uh, "He says, aren't, aren't you Rob?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "I used to listen to your show all the time." I said, "Well, I'm bringing it back." So that's awesome. I'm so grateful. That's you know, he's, he's thankful. I said, "Why?" And he said, "My dad and I back when he used to do the night show." He said, my dad and I did projects together, woodworking and tinkering and mechanics and stuff like that. And that's what my dad liked to do in his retirement. And that's the only way I could spend time with him. And we would go in his garage and we would work on these projects and we we listen to the radio and we'd listen to your show every night. And we would laugh at the stuff you said and we would we would scream at you when you would talk bad about the Pac twelve. And you know, the, we would we would yell at you when you said this, or we would laugh our asses off when you would do that. We used to crank call people that I know, just you know, friends of mine or whatever. And he goes, We used to sit and laugh our asses off of this stuff. Uh, and you know, even though it's in the morning, I get that back now and I get those memories with my dad and I, and I get to kind of relive that dude, it's dumb and it's three hours and it's stupid content and it's obnoxious, loud noises. But to some people, it means something. And some people it's these deep rooted family memories that they're going to put together. And to other people, it's, I got a 40 minute ride from Crestview to Fort Walton every day in a car. I need something to do. And to some people, it's, I've got this, I've got this thing that I do, and, and I listen to your show, and I download it, and I stream it. Or to some people, it's, I, I, I love the Gators, but, you know, I, I don't know how to, I've got a, I've got an old lady who calls my show. I, I got a, she's got to be in her 70s. She called the other day, because, so Jake is, uh, Jake Mitchell, my co-host, 21 years old, and he's been on the show for a couple of years now. And I told him the other day, because he, he started playing Limp Biscuit on the show. I said, dude, you're fired. And she called and she was like, oh, no, please don't, Rob. Please don't fire Jake. Please don't fire him. I love him. And, you know, this is a 70-year-old lady yeah. listens to the show because we're goofy and she likes it. She thinks it's funny. I remind her of her grandkids. This stuff's great. And I get to do that and get money for it? 
Hell to the yeah. So, you know, I, that this station deserves that kind of radio station, and I'm not going to let that guy take it away from us yeah. because this area deserves <clears throat> better. Yeah. Well, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, great, dude. Best of luck to you on the new show. Uh, I'm for I, for one, was glad to see that you were back doing it because, like I said, we used to sit there and build boat boards and... And laugh our ass, laugh and, and, <laughs> and scream at you, and yeah, everything else. And then one day, I just heard this god awful sound coming out, and I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah. Who, we flipped it. We're like, uh, who is this guy? Yeah, uh, one of us would be back in the shop, one would be up front. Turn that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and, and again, it, it's why I do it. It's it's I get up at four thirty every morning, and every morning the alarm goes off. And I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a night guy. I'm not a morning guy mm. at all. You know, it's I I my old co-host Adam McCloskey, who I sit in the morning show with, who's my mentor and a very dear friend of mine. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, I asked him probably a year into doing the morning show in the first go round. He was the host, and I produce host. And I said, man, how do you how do you get used to doing the morning show? Like, how do you get used to waking up this early? Is you have to make your bedtime early, or do this, or do that, and eat better, or whatever? And he goes, no, man. You never get used to waking up early. You just get used to being tired most of the time. And that's that's just it, right? So I get up in the morning, and it's 4.30, and everything sucks, and I hate everything. And I'm like, get outside, dog, because I don't want to deal with this. And, you know, don't hope you don't move, girlfriend, because if you wake up, I don't want to talk to you. And it's just <laughs> everything sucks at 4.30 in the morning unless, you've still, unless you're still up from the night before. Uh, but you know, the, the, the thought that if I may be cliche and dumb for a minute, the thought that makes me go, put on a shirt, put on some jeans, get your lazy ass in the car and go to work is because I know that somewhere on Eglin air force base is a 18 year old enlisted airman who's working on some job he doesn't want to be doing, who's got nothing to do. But he knows that at 6 o'clock, the show comes on. And I know that sounds even maniacal, but I've gotten that phone call. And I know that somewhere out there is a bartender who worked until 5 o'clock in the morning, scrubbing his bar, working his ass off, down to the bone, who's on his way home, and he's tired, and he's exhausted, and he's pissed off because customers are awful people at 4 in the morning. And he knows that for at least 15, 30 minutes at the beginning of my show, he's going to laugh his ass off. And I know that those people are there because I get those emails and I get those phone calls from people who are like, hey, I don't want to go in the air, but I just wanted to tell you that blank. Or, hey, man, don't read this email on air, but I just wanted to tell you that blank. Or I get the phone calls from friends of mine who are like, this just happened and it sucks and, and you're making me feel better. Uh, I had a guy in my first stint who called me three days after his father died. And he's like, this is the first time I've laughed since my dad died. And I was only laughing because I, I made a joke about something. And he goes, my dad used to tell the same joke. And I just, I just, it was, it was great. It was the perfect timing for that. That's why doing a show at six in the morning, I'm not trying to sound like a martyr, but 4.30 sucks, especially when you're the dude that likes to sit in his garage until two in the morning playing Call of Duty, which I do, <laughs> and drinking whiskey, which I very much do. It sucks waking up at 4.30. It sucks going to bed at nine o'clock at night when you're a night owl because you got to get up at 4.30 in the morning. But every day I go in there and go, think about this, man. I get paid to do this thing. Yeah, a lot of people hate me because I'm not whatever they want me to be. But a lot of people love this crap. And I get to be that guy. They give me money for this. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So, it's you know, ultimately, it's worth it. And then I get guys like you calling me going, hey, you want to come drink whiskey and talk into a microphone for an hour and a half for no reason? <laughs> yeah, damn right I do. Let's do it. So, you know, it all works out in the end. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for spending your time with us, man. I know how busy you are. 
and uh, and all that. We appreciate having you on here, man. Pleasure has been mine. Yeah. Can I can I shamelessly promote myself one more time? Absolutely, before we go? man. Bring it. Uh, Twitter handle is at the Rob Brown Show. My Twitter handle is just me being an ass most of the day. Like I, you know, wrestling, politics, Twitter, sports, whatever. At the Rob Brown Show. At the Rob Brown Show. Uh, if you want to email me about anything in the world, radioguyrob at gmail.com. Radioguyrob at gmail.com. My website is therobbrownshow.com. Uh, you can check that out. I've got, you know, articles and stuff on there. And then again, my show airs every morning from 6 to 9, 100.3 FM in Fort Walton Beach, 97.1 FM in Pensacola, and 93.7 in Panama City. We stream live on We Are Talk Radio or We Are Sports Talk. Damn, what's my website? I don't know. Anyway, find me on Twitter. I'll give you the website. I don't even remember anymore. But uh, yeah, 6 to 9 every AM. And then I will actually be launching uh, a podcast with my co host, Jake Mitchell, so that we can also say bad words. Uh, since we can't do it on the real radio. Uh, and his name is Jake Mitchell. You can find him at jakemitchellradio at gmail.com. And the podcast will be called First Jake, because that's clever. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be doing First Jake starting in the next handful of weeks, and that'll be our uh, our irreverent douchebaggy podcast of the month. So uh, we'll be doing that. But, uh, no, I thank you guys for letting me come on and, and BS and talk. This was fun. I You know, the stories are, are fun to tell, and, uh, and I hope we can do it again one day, man. Right on. Rob Brown, Wimpty Studios. Wimt.podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up, y'all. Thanks.